0: So, you're a wrestling fan, eh? Well, this is another wrestling podcast. And it's the best podcast. If you're not listening, well, your mother still dresses you. It's time for
1: uh,
2: another wrestling podcast. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at the best there is, the best there was, and the best
0: there will be. They they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best at what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport,
1: there's only two in my book.
0: Another wrestling podcast.
3: Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. I'm Credo, and this is episode 127. Uh, for those of you who have listened to us for 125 episodes, I believe, uh, Jonathan Benjamin, who has been, you know, half of this show, uh, he unfortunately will not be on the show uh for the foreseeable future uh you know life moves pretty fast uh you know jonathan has helped build this show uh and we wish him nothing but the best i'm sure we will hear from him again uh in the near future hopefully but uh as the saying goes the show must go on and so we shall so officially this week i'm welcoming angry cooter to the show as a co-host cooter man what's going on brother welcome welcome uh you know hey uh, you helped fill in for the past few shows But now, uh, you know, things happen in life People need to do things uh, You can't do the same thing You know, th- nothing ever lasts forever,
4: pretty much But uh, I, I hear you, Credo it's, it's a shame I, JB is always somebody I've always wanted to work with on the mic I, I always dug his style He's just a smart, smart individual He just knows history the way I know history So it's a shame I didn't get to work with him I hope I do get to work with him in the future So, until then, the show must go on. That's right, man. So, uh, like I said, we wish nothing but Jonathan but the
3: best. Uh, And hopefully, we'll hear from him down the line. But, uh, you know, Cooterman,
4: happy birthday. Uh, You you had a birthday this week. Uh, i got to wish you a happy birthday. (laughs) Thanks, bro. I've had an interesting week. I mean, (laughs) literally the day before my birthday. I had the wisdom teeth pulled out, so my jaw has been swollen out like a foot. It's disgusting, dude.
3: Uh, well, hey, uh, th- thanks for uh, doing the show this week. I mean, you know, in pain or whatnot,
4: uh, you're here, so thank you. You know what the worst part about it is? I literally have to put my hand in front of my mouth because my jaw is swollen so much that I, like, literally spit when I talk, so I'm like a toothless drunk. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, hey,
3: guys, uh, stay tuned to Outback Jack. He's going to be on the show in a little bit so stay tuned uh he was from the 80s if you guys didn't remember uh pretty much around the time when crocodile dundee came out uh the movie it was pretty big in the 80s uh he came in he was in the wwf for a little bit uh we're going to talk to him a little bit about his career so stay tuned and uh, speaking of outback jack uh we're also going to be talking a lot about the aussies today uh, a lot of Australians uh, who have made it big in wrestling. Uh, we're going to talk about that today as today's topic later on. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but I'm going to bring something back, Cooter. I'm going to bring something back I haven't done in a while. Uh, it's called 60 Seconds Sucker. All
4: now, right, brother. Show me how it's done, man.
3: All right. So within 60 seconds, I'm going to give you my little review of Clash of the Champions. So I'm going to get the clock ready and uh, get the music going. Uh, so I'm going to try to give you my review of Clash of Champions in 60 seconds or less. We'll see how I do. So here we go. 60 seconds. Sucker! Sucker! All right, Clash of Champions from the bottom to the top. Nia Jax lose the doll face. Go full-blown Samoan badass. You're not a Barbie doll. You're 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 Bam Bam Bigelow. Alicia, you look amazing as always, and you should be used better than in Jabberland. New Day they continue to do what they're doing which no one cares about anymore creative has killed the club cruiserweights they feel like they have been a part of the show for years it's been a great transition from the CWC to the main roster the best of seven series ends in a no contest What the fuck? Thank you for wasting a month of my life on this. Jericho wins, and I'm okay with that, but Sami Zayn has nothing going on for him right now. If only El Generico was around, that would probably be something special. Beautiful women's match, but it ends with a boot? Are you kidding me? Roman wins a mid-card title, Uh, okay. Uh, K.O. crotch chops need to be a weekly thing. Hell, Seth Rollins crotch chops need to be a weekly thing, too. Uh, I get that K.O. is a heel, and he's been winning heelishly, but it would be nice to showcase him as a true powerhouse and get a clean win once in a while. That's my 60 Seconds Pay-Per-View Review.
1: Okay. Talk about I went
4: mouthful, brother.
3: God damn. Whew. I mean, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse over here, but, you know, uh, I, we could talk about this for an hour, but just, it was just a brief a brief uh, sum up of what happened. But, I mean, w- we saw the pay-per-view. We gave our predictions last week. Uh, so let's just get right into the week that was Cooter and talk about the biggest things that have been happening.
4: All right. Let's start with the uh, – Geez, you, you already talked Nia Jax. You don't like her look?
3: You know, it's one of those things to where it's like she's a big girl. We got to make her beautiful on TV. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, come on. I mean, granted, I'm not saying she's ugly. I'm just saying... She doesn't need to be dressed up like she's a Barbie doll. You know what I mean? Like, from the makeup like that to where she's just huge, man. You know, just make her a Samoan badass. Like, look at, uh, you know, Karma. uh, Awesome Kong. the way. Yeah, I was just going
4: to use that. I was just going to use that Awesome Kong thing. But, I mean.
3: uh, No one's tuning in to see Nia Jax and what she's wearing this week. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's just (laughs) there to kick
4: some ass. That's what it should be, pretty much. It could be worse. It could be Tamina. I mean, how many times have I said she looks like a cross between Jimmy Snuka and Nicole Bass? For God's sakes, between these, between both of them, I'm definitely seeing Adam's apple there. So uh,
3: <laughs> I don't know what's up. But but all in all, you know, let's get right. You know, this the Clash of Champions was Raw's first solo pay per view in the new era. Uh, did it exceed expectations? Do you think it was better
4: than uh, Backlash or what? You know, it's crazy. It it almost seems like a throwaway card since we had two rematches literally the next night on Raw. I mean, we had New Day and and The Club, and we have uh, Roman Reigns up against Rusev again. I mean, it was like uh, I I, could have tuned out and not watched Backlash and just watched Raw the next night. That's it, man. And, you know, the two biggest things
3: out of that night that just made me not enjoy it as much as I did Backlash – Uh, one of them had to be the best of seven series, uh, where it ended in a no contest and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like I I thought at the very end of it, you know, where there, I thought, you know, sorrow got in the ring. I thought Seamus was going to run back to the ring and just really finish it. And I would have been happy with that, but they, they ended it. Nothing. It didn't. What are you kidding me? Like is creative just plain stupid? Like you don't
4: drag a a best of seven series out just to a no contest. Come on. Well, see, here's the interesting thing. This is the match that I said last week I could have cared less about, right? Mm -hmm. Or I couldn't have cared less about anyway. But it was the the match of the night for me. It was incredible. I mean, these two beat the snot out of each other. And quite frankly, I don't have a problem with it going into a no contest. I like Cesaro and tag teams. I said this last week. And to see him in a a tag team with Sheamus – this could be the next great dominant team. I mean...
3: I can't. I can't, though. I can't. Because, like, he's he's already been in a tag team with Tyson Kidd. They've won the championships. Uh, he had a great tag team before WWE. Uh, you know, he, he's been in tag teams. He's done the tag team thing. I think it's just... he's He, he was kind of put on a good path to being solo. Uh, Got to change that music. Got to change some, some stuff that he's doing. But... He, I mean, this man is gifted in the ring uh, of what he can do as a performer. And it's just like I feel like they're just wasting away with ideas with him. And going back to a tag team, I feel it's just a big step back. I want – and I don't know. I
4: just want him to succeed. I don't want him to be in the main event already. See, that's where I disagree with you because I think he excels. Some people just excel in, in different environments. And to me, he's a great solo act. But I've always felt that he just compliments other wrestlers that much better. I mean, uh, who else at this point do we want to take the belts off of The New Day? So here you are complaining about The New Day. Here's a fresh idea of a storyline that we've built up to get to this point. And it's, it's, it's been a great build. It's, it's a total swerve. I didn't see it coming. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I like where this could go potentially for these two. All
3: right, well, we could chalk that up to a, a agree to disagree. But, <laughs> but I will say that you know, if 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 this ends up to where a brief a brief tag team uh, with him and Sheamus to where they split up, maybe maybe Sheamus ends up winning the Universal Championship down the line. Uh, maybe Cesaro wins the Money in the Bank and then he cashes in on his old partner. That at the end of the day, I'll be happy with. But right now, I'm just kind of. I'm over it. I'm si- I'm just sick of seeing them in tag teams, but uh the other biggest upset of the nights had to be the Bullet Club jobbing to the New Day Again, uh, oh, does, does the New Day really need to beat Demolition's tag title streak from, uh, what was it? It was 478 days. They just hit 400 on Monday on Raw. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, these guys came over from New Japan Wrestling, and, you know, granted we've seen, uh, you know, half of them before in the WWE, but I don't know. They they had this big calling, the big following coming in. Then they split them up with the draft. They put AJ on SmackDown, leave these guys on Raw. Uh, And then after that, it's just like, oh, we we don't want to do anything with you.
4: And I'm like, I feel like WWE has dropped the ball again on the club. I, I don't get it. I mean, in this day and age, things need to move a lot faster. Some records from back in the day were meant not to be broken. This is why we don't have somebody... Uh, going after Bruno streak or even Backlund's streak as a world champion. I mean, when, when Punk had the belt for God knows how many days, it was deemed the longest title reign of the modern era. That's what we should be looking at now. Yep, 434 need, days he had it. Y- yeah, we, we don't need uh, Demolition Streak uh, beaten. It, it's pointless. Half the fans in this day and age... Don't give a rat's ass, or even know who Demolition is. Mm-hmm. So why is it important?
3: I, I, you know, I, I, I just don't get it. Because I mean, he okay, granted, okay, they held it for a year. I think where they won it should have been the place where they lost it. That would have been a better story. I think uh, the New Day—they're so over, though. I feel like they—they they just don't need the championships anymore. Like they, they're beyond that point of having the straps on them for anything. And I think right now for them, it would be better to chase it than to hold on to it. And I feel like you could have given the club the belts at SummerSlam, and you know, just to keep their to to show their dominance. I mean, I'm I know they're not AJ Styles to where they gave them the the World Heavyweight Championship right away, but still, I mean, I don't know. I, you have these guys coming in who are probably one of the best tag teams they have on Raw, and they're not giving it to them. And now, granted, I'm, I'm still surprised uh, Enzo and Cass haven't gotten the straps yet, but that's another story. And if Sheamus and Cesaro get a tag title match out of this and win it, I'm going to be so pissed off because I'm like, out of anybody on their team, I feel like it should have went to the club to carry that momentum from New Japan. That's all.
4: Here's a dumb question for you. Is demolition in the WWE Hall of Fame? They are not. So why do we give a rat's ass about their streak? I know. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, demolition streak that nobody gives a rat's ass about. They're not even Hall of Famers.
3: I don't know, and, and that's don't the thing. It makes no sense to me. I know, and uh, maybe it's just one of those things to where it's like, okay, well, if they get the belts off a New Day, what do we do with New Day then? Well, I don't know. Just keep having them wrestle. Do what they always do. I mean, they're making so much money for you. They don't need to be the tag team champions anymore. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things to where, and you know, I and Raw, I was, I didn't, I forgot exactly how many days Demolition held it, and I was thinking, I thought Raw would have been the day they beat them or something like that. So I was like, okay, they won on Raw. And then I looked it up and I was like, they still have 78 days to go. Are you kidding me? I'm like, no, oh stop this. It was just 400 on Raw. So 78 more days till they actually beat that record. So we'll see if that happens. But man, I mean, uh, what do you do with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson now? I mean, uh, I don't know. they they've jobbed them out three times. S- SummerSlam, uh, Clash of Champions and Raw. I mean, they haven't beaten them in three matches. What happens? I have no idea.
4: They're going to start jobbing them out to the Shining Stars.
3: Great. Oh, no.
1: Oh, God.
3: <laughs> well, anyway, you know, that that's thats kind of what I'm getting into. So those are the biggest <laughs> things uh, from, from that pay-per-view. But, uh, you know, moving right along, uh, I think the biggest thing happening right now, too, I think people are talking about is on SmackDown where uh, Dolph Ziggler just said he will put his career on the line against The Miz at the next pay-per-view. Uh, what
4: are your thoughts about that? Is he going? Could he? I don't know. I don't know. This is one of the ones where you could really go either way. I mean, we've built Dolph Ziggler up so many times just to job him out time and time again to the point where now he has nothing left to offer but his career. I mean, it's an interesting storyline. I mean, does he finally overcome and win you know a mid cure uh, a mid card title or does he finally go away? But Miz is is. Is saying it can't just be you disappear for a few weeks or you go to NXT. It's your whole career. So, I mean, would he be a man of his word? And if he left WWE, would he go someplace else? I don't know. I don't see him, you know, losing this match to The Miz. I mean, he's had a, a nice lengthy title reign. He's at a point where he doesn't really need the belt anymore, in my opinion. I mean, he, he is such a great talker on the mic, you know. Uh, Maurice compliments him well. I mean, they have that natural chemistry being that they're husband and wife. So, I mean... Let's put the belt on somebody who really needs a, a little bit of a push because if if we beat Dolph Ziggler down into the ground anymore, he's going to reach the earth's core for Christ's sake.
3: No, I know. And, the, you know, the, the Miz is like forever IC champion. And when we went to WrestleMania 29, he won the – he no, yeah. He, he won the the Inter, Intercontinental Championship on the pre-show. Uh, yeah, so that's WrestleMania 29. <laughs> so it's like you go back and, you know, ever since he won the World Heavyweight Championship, it was, it's been downhill to where he's just never been in that main event spotlight. And, you know, like I said, he's been forever IC champion. And, you know, for Dolph Ziggler, man, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I've seen him at work. He He's come to work. He's been on Fox Business. Uh, he's been doing some shows with Kennedy. I don't know if he wants to get in more into TV. He wants to do more stand-up comedy. Um, so he's been doing some, like, stuff like that outside of the WWE. So it almost hints at, hey, he's... Probably going to be leaving just to do some stuff outside of WWE because, you know, they he's another guy that they have just misused misused throughout the years. Uh, you know, everybody loved it when he cashed in after WrestleMania 29 to Del Rio. Oh my God,
4: yeah, yes.
3: And, it, and then, you know, he, uh, he believed he got the concussion right after and, you know, he had to drop the belt. And after that, he they'd never put it back on him. And man, he, you know, he reminds me of like, if you put Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, uh, and maybe somebody else in, like, a blender. And, you know, out comes Co-co Dolph Coco Beware! Coco Beware in a blender. <laughs> and You know what I mean? To where uh, he, he's great. He He's one of the best workers they have. He's, you know, nobody can sell like Dolph Ziggler, I think, in the WWE, except for, you know, Dolph Ziggler. I think the only unfortunate thing about him is probably his that he got stuck with the name Dolph Ziggler. But he worked it, and it worked out, and then nobody cared about it. But still, it's one of those things to where, man, they don't just drop Career matches out of you know once a month. This is you know I, I think the last career match I might remember out the top of my head. And I know I'm wrong, but the last thing I probably remember is Batista where he left. Uh, I you know I know he quit. Was that then, even a career? That was a few match? years ago. That was the, the the not when he came back uh, for WrestleMania 30. I mean. I mean, even a few years back before that. So, I'm trying to even think or remember. Maybe if you guys are listening out there, tell me what the last uh, career match was. uh, You know, uh, another wrestlingpodcast.com. Cheap plug. uh, Find our links. Tell us. what uh, What am I missing? What was the last career match or whatever? But, you know, like I said, this match, you know, it's not just like a tables match, a cage match. This, you know, when they drop, you know, my career on the line... 90% of the time that means the guy's leaving. So, I hope it's a swerve and he wins it and he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't have to leave, but you know, like the Miz said, man, I was at first when I heard it, I didn't see it yet on SmackDown, so I was like, "Oh, maybe they're just going to move him over to Raw and write this in." But yeah, as soon as he said that the Miz hopped in the ring and said, "No, you can't go to you can't go to Raw. You can't go to NXT for 30 days. You know, you're done. I want to me I want to end your career kind of a thing." So, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it definitely makes me want to see it even more now because if he loses, it's goodbye Dolph, man. I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, he's been one of one of the favorites for the past few years now, but like I said, misused,
4: misused for a long time. Totally, man. He's He's been one of my all-time faves just because of the way he makes everybody else look good. I mean, he's just like you said. It's, it's Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect put together with Coco Beware. Uh, <laughs> you know, the guy just he just is probably one of the best that we've ever seen in terms of getting other people over. I mean, It's unfortunate that they have misused him for all these years. Yeah, man. So we'll see what happens with that. we still got two
3: weeks away for that one. Uh, Now, probably the other biggest news, and we rarely talk about TNA uh, for obvious reasons, but here's one reason to talk about a Cooter. Uh, It could be the last week for TNA this week. Uh, You know, there's a lot of news going around that they barely have any funds to fund the rest of the week, and they're probably just scraping through to get bound for glory on this Sunday, so... Uh, I don't know what's happening. Billy Corgan says, you know, it's out of his hands to where he's pretty much funded it to Sunday, and then after that, you know, news around the news around the dirt sheets are, you know, WWE could be in contention to buying out TNA. Um, you know, take it for a grain of salt, if you will, but they're in big financial trouble and they could go under um i don't think they're going to be saved and if anybody buys them if wwe buys them i think they're only going to buy them for their library uh what do you think about this scooter i mean i don't
4: know this could be the end of tna is uh pretty soon it's it's a good move if they do buy it just because of the fact that a lot of their guys that we have up now we have an aj styles we have a samoa joe we have a Oh God, Eric Young is signed, if Mr. Glorious himself, you know, Robert Roode. I mean, it it's a way where we can finally acknowledge where they've been prior to WWE, the way that we used to talk about WCW wrestlers. Yeah. So in that respect, it's great for, you know, talking about guys past, where they've been. But also, I mean, just to add that content to, you know... The network, the man.
2: Network. Yeah. Oh,
4: my God. <laughs> That'd I be mean, really great, yeah. and you know, Especially some of their earlier years. I mean, I was really into it. I mean, I remember TNA, when they first came out, and they were weekly pay-per-view shows. And you had to pay, I think it was like nine ninety-nine, And I was like, Dad, I don't give a shit, man. I'm buying this. This was some of the best <laughs> stuff. AJ Styles, we had... God, Ken Shamrock was the first NWA champion in TNA. And I'm like, wow, Scott Hall. I mean, they had this big battle royal. It it, it was just a good alternative. I mean, we got the X Division, which is basically like what cruiserweight wrestling is now. So, I mean, wow. I mean, just for the network itself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah,
3: God. But you know what's funny though is you know Damian Sandow debuted there recently. Uh, uh, Cody Rhodes is supposed to debut Sunday, uh, so you have a lot of these WWE names who literally just went over there. So it's it's it, that's kind of funny. Um, I don't think they would buy it to like because they I I from what I hear they're in a lot of debt and they're not going to just pay them to pay for all the people again and and whatnot. I'm sure they'll probably bring over a lot of the names and whatnot, but I don't think they're going to keep. TNA afloat like they did WCW barely uh, at the end. So when he bought it, you know, and then he brought the people in and they did that little thing with Raw versus WCW and whatnot. But that won't definitely happen. Uh, they just barely want to even recognize them as an indie promotion. Uh, so I, you know, if anything, they're going to buy that library. They're probably going to save some of the contracts of some of the guys who are there, but not everybody. Um, Who's some of
4: the notables for you, Credo? Who's some of the notables, contract-wise?
3: I definitely want to bring in the Miracle Mike Bennett. He's been on the Indies for a while. He's definitely a big name. Uh, And I think he hopped over to TNA just to get out of uh, Ring of Honor, just to get on more TV in a way. So... I think right at the top, Mike Bennett would be a great name to bring in. Just You a, just want to see Maria Kanellis' ass. Just admit it. That's the benefits of it. That's the benefits. <laughs> that's the extra benefits. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think most notably him. I honestly haven't watched in a long time. And But from the biggest thing that had people talking about them was, you know, uh, Matt Hardy and the deletion and all that stuff going on. So, you know, it, that'll be interesting, too. So it, it's stuff like that. But... I don't know. There's a lot of guys down there, but I think that would be my one prospect I would definitely hire out of anybody right off the bat. But it's going to be interesting. Needless to say, I mean, we're only a few days away. We're going to find out what happens. I mean, they don't have that money to stay afloat. So uh, maybe next week this time we could be talking about
4: how WWE bought TNA. We shall see. Who knows? I think also, I mean, there there are some talented guys in there that we could use. Not necessarily on the main roster, but let's get them in NXT. Let's get some of these veterans. I mean, I wouldn't put a broken Matt Hardy in NXT, but I'd have no problem putting an EC3 in there oh, yeah, or definitely. a Mike Bennett. You know what I mean? Everybody forgets about Ethan Carter the Third. I mean – That's what's
3: the funny <laughs> thing is that he left – he was in NXT briefly and they never used him, so they let him go. And then he made a, such a huge name for himself over in TNA. So it would be kind of cool to see him you know, come full circle back and uh, you know, just – be used actually properly once again so it, it'll it be interesting needless to say because especially since they're using a lot of jobbers and a lot of uh, indie. Well, I guess you can call the indie guys jobbers, but you know, on TV, uh, like to like Braun Strowman or Nia Jax matches. Even Bailey had a jobber the other night. So I <laughs> know, really. So maybe even getting the, if they do buy it, they could use a lot of the TNA guys, not to job out, but you know, just maybe to fill the rosters more. Who knows? So it, it's going to be an interesting weekend, needless to say. Uh, and lastly, I just want to remind everybody out there again, uh, Vivian Rosati, one of the Rosati sisters. Uh, you might remember her back in the day. I think she was on TNT with. Uh, you know, Bobby Heenan and uh, Grill Monsoon and all that. She was one of the Bobby Heenan girls. Uh, she's been battling breast cancer, and if you guys go o- over to GoFundMe.com/2pwrfwk, that's 2pwrfwk on GoFundMe, uh, you can donate and help her out with her, her medical needs. She's been battling breast cancer, and hey, uh, from from the marks to her, you know, the fans out there, maybe you can go. Three or five bucks, ten bucks. You guys got it. You're you're just gonna spend it on merch anyway. So come on, help somebody out who's uh, in need of some of those extra bucks that you have. But uh, all in all, Cooter, that's that's been the week that was. But coming up right now from the land down under, we have Outback
0: Jack. There's an old Australian stockman lying dying. And he gets himself up onto one elbow and he turns to his mates who are gathered round and he says, Watch me wallabies feed, mate. Watch me wallabies
2: feed. They're a dangerous breed, mate. So watch me wallabies feed all
0: together now. Tie me
2: kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo
0: down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Keep me cockatoo cool, curl, keep me cockatoo cool, oh, don't go acting a fool, curl, just keep me
2: cockatoo cool, all
0: together now. Tie me kangaroo
2: kangaroo down, sport, tie
0: me kangaroo down, down. tie me kangaroo down, sport, tie me kangaroo kangaroo down. down.
3: All right, Joining us today is a superstar from the land down under, straight out of Humpty Doo and right onto another wrestling podcast. He is Outback Jack. Jack, uh, how's it going today? How you doing?
0: Yeah, bloody good to hear from you, mate. I'm doing quite well, actually, as a matter of fact.
3: Uh, how was it like growing up down under, and uh, how big was pro wrestling there when you were growing up?
0: When I was a kid, I actually, there used to be world championship wrestling on at 12 noon on Saturday and Sunday. Mm. And I would sit with Nana and we would watch the wrestling on Saturday and Sunday from 12 noon to one o'clock. And uh, very, very big fans of it. Uh, the, some of the fellows we watched at the time was good Red Bastien, um good grief, who else? Um, Lord Athel Hayes, um, or Alfred Hayes, rather, um, Tex McKenzie, um, and just the, the list goes on and on. The Mario Milano, Spiros Arion, um, and I even saw actually uh, um, Killer Carl Cox and um, Dory Funk Jr. Oh, wow. wrestle.
3: <laughs> wow, so yeah, so, so definitely pro wrestling was definitely big uh, back then uh, over in Australia.
0: Oh, right? yes, absolutely, yep. absolutely. Yeah.
3: Now, uh, fast forward a little bit. Uh, what can you tell us about getting into to, to be a pro wrestler? Because from what I understand, uh, you were trained uh, by Les Thornton, right?
0: Correct, Les Thornton, yeah. Um, what had actually happened, um, I'd come back and was finding myself in a little spot of the world so I could uh, rest a weary head. Mm-hmm. And I was up in Humpty Doo and working on a cattle station. And um, the, the deal is on a Saturday, you, uh, everybody jumps in the, uh, the truck and goes to the local pub, the Humpty Doo Pub. Um, the town that has a population during the week of 40 grows to about 120 on a Saturday. <laughs> wow. And uh, we uh, we had satellite television, and we watched watch stuff. And we used to actually watch uh, the wrestling from Madison Square Garden oh, wow. uh, via satellite uh, at Saturday mornings at uh, Bluey Drucker's Pub. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, yeah, it's just a little bit out of Darwin. And in walked these four fellows, um, Arnold Scotland and um, Hillbilly Jim. And uh, let me think, I think Paul Romer was there. And uh, Special Delivery Jones, if I remember right. Uh-huh. And uh, they came in and I said, we, we'd love to see uh, what's going on. And I was, I uh, happened to be drinking at the bar with Norm the Bull.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And I said, uh, Norm the Bull was a, 2,000-pound Brahma bull, 18-month-old Brahma bull. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, look, here's what you do. Um, give us some tickets so we can all go in and watch your, your show in Darwin, and I'll take you out to, the, to the, the cattle station I work on and show you around. And that's how it happened. And then uh, about six weeks after that, I get a big old envelope in the uh, in the mail at the pub, and uh, it was a letter from Vince McMahon, and he uh, uh, his uh, director of international, which was uh, it was Jim Troy, and uh, actually a little incentive check and a contract. And uh, about two weeks after that, I was on a plane and uh, I landed in Manhattan, met everybody, and the next thing I know, I'm up in the uh, wilds of winter <laughs> in uh, Calgary, and I'm under the uh, under the guidance of Les Thornton.
3: Wow, so so basically, you had no prior wrestling experience. I mean, they just stopped in one day, saw you, and you know wanted you to be a part of a part of a, the WWE, huh?
0: Well, I, I, apparently, well at, at the time it was the WWF. Yeah, yep, they, they 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 had some, um, I guess, some issues on the tour, and uh, they thought that I uh, thought I'd I'd be a good character, wow. and uh, I, I I you know I I wrestled amateur. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but just the, for the police boys club, that's about it. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> uh, that was, that's like police athletic league stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I did pretty well at the time. I, I had the, uh, three years in a row as the, um, um, Olympic freestyle, uh, 100 kilo plus national mm. champion. So, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's not like going to a university, meet, you know, huh. where you, the thing takes four days to get through. You, uh, you do this thing, and you've got the same four opponents every day. So <laughs> sure, it's, it's, it's not competition; it's more more training.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. now, now you mentioned too uh, in Canada for uh, Stu Hart Stampede Wrestling. What was it like up there? And you were just yes. up there briefly, right, before coming into the WWF, then?
0: Yeah, I was. Up, I was up there for, for, for I think about three months, uh-huh. and uh, Les uh, Les got me going straight out, and uh, you know, obviously, we, we uh, traveled around all over Canada for Stampede Wrestling. And Stu Hart, and uh, yeah, it, it was fine. It was fine. It was it was an interesting part of the world to first get there and look up in the sky and see the sky completely upside down. Because, you know, Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere, uh, same lights, but they're all upside down. Well, now, what was it like
3: uh, working with Stu Hart 2 up there? Uh, you know, because uh, from what I hear too, I, I believe you refused to go into the Heart Dungeon. Is that a, is that a fact?
0: Oh, down, down, downstairs. Yeah, I, I just like, yeah, like I'm not an idiot. I mean, please, I'm not. Gonna, I'm, you know, I'm not going to let somebody. Yeah, you know, uh, listen, kid. Let me, let, let me, let me show you this this hole here. <laughs> I, I'm not about to, you know, have my uh, arm snapped off and stuck up my backside because just to just to entertain a bloke. And you know, I I found some of the aspects of it to be quite honest to be. Uh, um, Cruel. It was more more hazing than anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I just didn't think it was fun to sit upstairs in the in the living room and let Stu Hart work on you down in the dungeon, and then listen to the grunts and the groans and the scry- cries of pain coming up through the uh, air ducts uh, while well, everybody laughed. I mean, that that, that that just didn't amuse me at all. Sure. Uh, Now, I I mean, I don't. I'm right or wrong. I made the decision. No, (laughs) definitely. Yep. Uh, Now,
3: uh, your character, uh, I think, was pretty much based off the mainstream popularity of uh, the Crocodile Dundee movie. Uh, Were you a fan of the movie, and did you uh, like the idea of uh, being able to bring that character to life in the the WWF? Then,
0: well, yes. (coughs) Pardon me. Um, the, the the thing was. It was, I guess, it was parallel. I mean, um, I think Crocodile Dundee came out, and I arrived at that four days later.
3: Oh wow! <laughs>
0: and uh, as it as it was, I mean, I I was, I mean, uh, not as fanciful as as Mick Dundee, but certainly <laughs> I did everything that uh, that he did. I mean, I can't necessarily um, hypnotise a water buffalo, but uh, you give him enough beer, on a water buffalo or fall over half track, you know. <laughs>
3: definitely uh, now uh, d- throughout wrestling you know a lot of people don't get to witness uh, what happens behind the scenes uh, whether who's mm-hmm. uh, having who who's friends with who who's feuding with who in the locker room uh, how was it like uh, to be a part of that locker room back then
0: uh, wh- what was it like back there well it was it was a brand new experience for me and and, and, and from this standpoint i would played a lot of football a lot of a lot of organized sports and um, you sort of you know, in the sports that I've ever played, especially football, it's camaraderie all around, you know. You go play your game of rugby or rugby league, and you afterwards you, you get hammered and you have a fun time, and uh, that's it. But, uh, and, you know, you may not get on with everybody, but it's only rare that there would be a, a dust-up or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the wrestling game, everybody's mostly friendly, but you've always apparently... Um, got to guard yourself like uh, a brute eye because everybody's an individual and they're selfishly out for themselves. So it's it's it breeds that sort of contempt mm-hmm. if that makes any sense.
3: No, yeah, definitely.
0: But everybody's generally pretty good. But you know, there are you know there there was a bunch of snarkiness that went on, and people you know trying to one up and all that sort of stuff so they could better their positions. But that's. That's, um, that's the name of the game
3: no yep definitely uh, also you know you said in the past that uh, Hillbilly Jim the Junkyard Dog and Hulk Hogan helped you out uh, backstage and whatnot. and while uh, Bobby Heenan pro- uh, treated you poorly anything you can tell us about that
0: but Bobby Heenan was just sticking to his character and as far as he he realized now I mean I'm just a, I'm just a bloody jabroni. Yeah. You know, this new mutt that's been brought in and getting a, a big old push and you know he had to make me look good in as far as in some of the interviews and, and stuff like that and you know Heenan was alright but he, he I guess you know he, Heenan had his own way because he was Bobby Heenan the whole time and you know it's not like he was Bobby Heenan then when he got, took off his shiny coat he became Bob Smith he was <laughs> still Bobby Heenan
1: yep. uh,
3: now how was it like th- how was the transition for you to where uh, back in Australia you're watching wrestling uh, on TV uh, and then you know, a few years later, a few months later, you get to actually be a part of this. Uh, you actually you wrestled in Madison Square Garden. How was it being able to perform in front of all these fans? And was it just surreal and larger than life to actually uh,
0: uh, be a part of it? You know, if you look back on it now, yes, it was it was surreal without a question. But then at the time, things are moving so fast that you don't get, you don't get a chance to really scratch yourself and take it in too much. I mean, you know. Madison Square Garden is obviously mecca,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, it, it there's just something about Madison Square Garden. And to actually say and know that, hey wait a minute, I've I've wrestled in Madison Square Garden for the WWF WWE. I've been there a dozen times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I mean that's that's something to be. I think in in your, in your memories to be cherished and. Uh, um, Looked upon as an achievement, uh, but the the, the the transition from being an ordinary fella that uh, goofed off, got drunk every Saturday uh, at the pub, um, yes, it's it's certainly worlds apart.
3: Definitely, and uh, you were also uh, part of history too, uh, part of WrestleMania three, uh, probably one of the biggest shows uh, out of the year for WWE or WWF. Uh, how was it like to be a part of a WrestleMania?
0: It was uh, that that was now that's when we, we got the chance to sit back and go, Good bloody lord, <laughs> holy cow! Yeah, you know, I mean, um, uh, 93,000 plus people bums in seats. I mean, that's uh, it's 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 staggering. Mm-hmm. And then I, I went back there about three weeks after that, I wrestled with uh, uh, Hammer Valentine, and we had the place, we had a huge crowd, we had. Forty-five thousand people, huh. and the place was empty. <laughs> it just seemed empty, you yeah. know. And uh, but yet, when um, when you're there and there's ninety-three thousand people, it's like, you know, the the classic saying is a sea of humanity. Yeah, and uh, it, 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 that one that one you had to really check your nurse. Definitely. Uh, now, a lot of
3: things we never get to see happen, or, or you know, uh, things are talked about that they might happen. And we also heard that, uh, Hillbilly Jim and you, uh, were actually supposed to win the, the tag team championships at one point, but the idea fell through. Uh, I know you probably may not know the idea or w- what happened with that, but, uh, is there anything you probably tell us about, uh, that going on and maybe, uh,
0: what, what I, I, can, been? I can tell you the, the absolute honest truth here. Hillbilly and I were, we were to get the, the straps mm-hmm. from, um, uh, from heart foundation, I believe at the time. And, uh, there was going to be a big push and, uh, Unfortunately, I mean, Hilbury and I worked well together, Mm -hmm. but there was a a rather ugly sequence um, of um, what's the word? The best word to use? um, Manhandling by some chaps, and uh, I fell. I I fell unwell.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Let's put it that way. Sure. And uh, um, I, I think they sort of thought, well, we can't really do this. And, you know, I, I, there were some times there that I I didn't necessarily have um, the people backing me in the, in the back office.
3: All right. Uh, now, you have been also outspoken about uh, your use of steroids. In uh, today's landscape, the uh, WWE has a wellness policy in which uh, superstars are mm-hmm. tested uh, every so often. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? And, uh, you know, do you think something like that maybe should have been in place uh,
0: back in the 80s? I wasn't outspoken about it. I, I, I happily tell you, I did steroids. Mm-hmm. Of course, I did. you couldn't you couldn't survive with the number of of shots we did every year without. And shot by shot, I mean shows,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, not steroid shots. <laughs> um, you couldn't survive without having some additive to repair injuries. I mean, it's just like it's like the NFL. I mean, I consider. The the wrestling that I did the, the four years or so that I ran around there, um, I would consider that to easily be equivalent of two years in the NFL. The um, the banging, the the sprains, the twists, the, hmm. and you can't stop. Yeah, I mean, you if you stop, you know, it's, you, know you don't get a paycheck, and uh, you soon realise that wait a minute, I can't take three days off. That's that's X number of dollars out of the out of the the whippy. So. You, the reason you took the steroids, obviously, was to get stronger, but mainly because if you did get injured you would be you 'd be repaired uh, a bunch quicker you know I, I can tell you quite clearly i I had a I dislocated a shoulder in a match um, uh, I think I was working with Neidhart, mm. and he uh, threw me over the top rope and I missed the top rope to you know guide my fall down and i I landed on the concrete floor. And I drove my elbow into the floor, and actually, all that did was pop my shoulder out of the top. Mm-hmm. I pulled it back into place and um, finished finished up the match. But the the thing was, you know, I I I that's a six to eight week debilitating injury, but because I I was taking steroids, and I I mean, I obviously had to take care of myself. I had to take a week off from doing anything. But, I mean, I still worked, but I couldn't go to the gym. About ten days later, I could. Uh, I could do forty-five pound flies again to get my get my shoulder back into shape. You
3: know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, in today's wrestling too, you know, a lot of the guys they're on the road for three hundred plus days a year. Uh, and some people were talking about, is it too much to where, uh, almost it, it, it's, it's almost like, should wrestling have seasons where, you know, uh, they, they get off a certain amount of weeks, uh, they, they do it for a certain amount of time instead of doing it, you know, 300 plus days a, a year. Is that, do you think that would be realistic, uh, maybe in the wrestling business or you really have to be on the road, you know, seven five days a week, you know, you got to travel, uh, just to get in front just to get your face in front of different audiences. Right. I mean, uh. Is it, just too, is it too much, you think, uh, with the, the traveling from back then, even to, to today? Is it too oh, much on a person? I, I,
0: well, back then, we, 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 did, we did 300 shows a year, easily. Um, you know, you'd be on for 90 days, and uh, somewhere along the way, you'd then get three or four days off. Yeah. Um, sometimes you'd, you'd, they'd try and work and so you were close to your house. Or in my case, I mean, my house at the time was um, in Fairfield, Connecticut. And, uh, and then I also I lived up in Boston for a little while, but um, what I would do, depending where I was, I would stay and I stay in the location I was, and I would uh, sightsee. You know, so I, I I wanted to. You didn't get much of a chance to go out and have a look around when you were working, but three or four days off, you could you know I could go around and have a look at Albuquerque and look at you uh, know um, varying places. Have a wander around Los Angeles, San Francisco, you know. So it, that was beneficial to me. And that's what I did. But, you know, we, yes, we did 300 days a year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I, and it was tough. It was very tough. Mm-hmm. And it takes a toll on your body. It takes a, a toll on you emotionally. I think Roddy Piper said that. You know, there's, there's nothing quite like the loneliness of being on the road. Yeah. You know, and and, and the, the show actually makes you come alive. But then afterwards, when you're done... You go back to the hotel room and you're sitting there and you're looking at like, God, what are these bloody walls doing? <laughs> yeah. and, and that's you know I, I don't think it's too much as if you, as long as you can as long as you can handle it. And mm. we were talking before about Vince McMahon's uh, and the WWE's wellness program. Mm. I'm I, I'm not sure whether that's true or or not. I mean, it, it seems as though I did read a little bit ago that there were two or three or four wrestlers, uh, male and female, that were um, suspended for breaching their wellness program. And I'm just unsure what that was.
3: Yeah. So there were um, uh, a few wrestlers were, uh, and uh, they didn't specifically say what it was that they were suspended for, but uh, I believe one wrestler was suspended for, um, I believe it was uh, uh, just a testosterone supplement kind of thing to, to mm-hmm. just balance out what he was taking. So it, it's a variety of things. So anything from marijuana to, you know, certain medications uh, are banned. Um, so it's a it's a whole list of I, – I don't have the list in front of me, but it's definitely a whole list of things these days. Uh, and like you said, you know, these guys are on the road. You're on the road for, you know, 300-plus days or shows a year. Uh, it's where, you know, you're, the body breaks down and needs to heal. And it's you know it, you can't really just sleep on it, right? You, it's the body, right. especially when you're traveling so much and like that. You know, you definitely need something to to help you re- to recover. So,
0: I I, I do think um, you know the, the thing about marijuana. I mean, I, I yes, uh, illicit drugs that some people take um, obviously are bad, and but the the getting squirrely about. Somebody smoking a little bit of pot—that's—that to me is hypocritical. Yeah, um, you know, I—I I, I just think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: now, uh, just to, to go back to a little little lighter side, uh, uh, for some history uh, uh, fans out there, we have that you were probably the first person ever that uh, Ted DiBiase put the hundred dollar bill in their mouth, and also. Uh, I believe Ted DiBiase wanted
0: it back after the match, but you refused. Uh, I'm not giving that back. To me, are you kidding me? pick <laughs> like a hundred bucks in my mouth. I'm hanging on with that. Yeah, I bit. I bit down on it. <laughs> I never gave it back to him back again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> How was it working with Ted DiBiase too? Was he a good guy? Uh,
0: phenomenal, phenomenal. He was. He was fantastic. He, um, he's the, he's the absolute consummate ring general. And you know, when a, when a, when a face works for the heel. Um, the field controls the match,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i think everybody knows that. It's not like I'm telling stories out of school. And uh, he tells the story; you follow along, makes sure you look good. And he, as I said, he was a masterful ring general for that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and a and a decent bloke, a decent bloke with it. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there, there, there was there, some fellas were obviously uh, I don't know were caught up in whatever, but uh, you know, there was there was nothing to be gained by Ken. He just he wanted to do the job. Be friends, go off, and go back to his hotel room, have some date, or do whatever, and and then go to the next next spot.
3: Definitely. Uh, now, from from him to the to weirdest guy, I believe you said you ever wrestled was the Ultimate Warrior. Why is that?
0: I worked with the Ultimate Warrior in a in a Royal Rumble. I mean, he's just unpredictability. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. You just you know, you never knew where Jim was coming from. Yeah, and uh, that 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 was just and you just. As soon as you got a hold on what you thought he was going to do, and I, I mean, I mean, mentally what you think he was going to do next, or so you could set up for whatever, <laughs> um, it, it would change, or it wouldn't be what you thought, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, also too, uh, when you
3: left uh, the WWF at the time, I believe you got a TV show called "This Is Adventure" without back. This Track. Is
0: adventure. Yep, absolutely.
3: What can you tell us about that? And was it uh, a little bit different for you the first time doing like a television show uh,
0: as far as outside of wrestling? Well, it it, it was um, initially because it obviously delved into the stuff I'd done in the past of being a, working on a cattle station, and and it was a. The grief what was it? Twenty years, eighteen years before mm-hmm. um, the Crocodile Hunter. Yeah, and uh, uh, certainly the same sort of show, very similar. But our stuff was shot all over the world, um, where we you know, obviously initially we primarily primarily looked at the Australian wildlife. Uh, but then we we started to do a couple of shows, and one of them was a, a big one was about the. Um, the founding of Australia and the, the uh, transportation of convicts from Britain and from the U.S. to the shores of Australia. And um, actually, we did a whole, a whole show on Port Arthur down in Tasmania, which was where the, the prisoners that were the absolute worst in the world, they'd be, if they were alive now, they'd be in um, solitary and... Uh, in that um, supermax prison out there in Colorado, and because these, these, these people were truly evil. You know, one of them, uh, 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 Pierce, Frank Pierce, mm-hmm. was, um, he was a murderer, a rapist. And that, that's a standard for, for the course. I mean, there are a lot of murderers and rapists, but the one thing that uh, Frank did was he ate his, uh, his fellow prisoners, he would—he lured uh, over the years. He lured away eight different prisoners uh, to escape into the bush from Port Arthur, and uh, lo and behold, he ate them all. Uh-huh. Um, so there was—I the, 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 <laughs> don't think both oars touched the water at the same time with the young Mister Pierce. <laughs> yeah. they, they eventually got—they eventually got fed up with him to coin a phrase—and they hung him. Uh-huh. But um, so we—we we were doing history shows like that. We did a show in New Guinea about. Uh, Down bombers from the Second World War, and uh, it it was it was a very different show. But we still managed to show wildlife and stuff like that. And uh, very definitely a different show to the Crocodile Hunter. And um, you know, um, may rest in peace. Although I, I was not a fan of his.
3: All right. Uh, now, if uh, you could give one piece of advice uh, for anybody looking to pursue a career in wrestling or, you know, some guys who are just maybe starting out uh, in wrestling right now, is there anything you could probably tell them who, you know, they're, they're, they probably have some naive minds to where, you know, they don't really know too much about getting into the uh, a full career, but anything you could give them as far as advice, uh, what they should look out for maybe?
0: I would think the best thing to do is don't take yourself too seriously. You know, don't... Um don't believe your own publicity and don't become a legend in your own lunchtime. And, uh, at the same time, choose who you, you really want to believe as a mentor. Yeah. Cause not, um, not everybody's going to be your mate mm-hmm. and uh, you, you'll be able to work that out. So if you go in, you go into the business with a, a little bit of street smarts, um, you know, like I said, not everybody's gonna, everybody's going to be your mate. And, um, Just don't take yourself too seriously, so so stuff doesn't go uh, go wacky on you and you take it the wrong way. At the same time, you've 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 also got to have a set of balls.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) I
0: mean, that's that's, without a doubt. I mean, uh, and somewhere along the way, you will be tested.
3: Definitely. Well, uh, Outback Jack, you know, uh, it was great having you on here today. Uh, We really appreciate your time, Uh, and for the fans listening around the world, we thank you so much
0: mate Steve it's uh, been an absolute pleasure and uh, that was wonderful everything flowed nicely and you're a great interviewer thank you very much
2: this is your Olympic hero Kurt Angle and you're listening to another wrestling podcast in association with CelebVM order a personal video message from me and many other wrestlers and celebrities now oh it's true it's damn true That's right. Head on over to celebvm.com slash AWP. Get a personal video message for yourself or as a gift for someone else. For personal connections, shout-outs, birthdays, proposals, weddings, and much more, enter your details about yourself so the celebrity can record a personal video message especially for you, including details such as your name, age, birthday, hobbies, or whatever else you include. As soon as the video has been recorded, you'll get an email with your link so you can share it on social media or download and keep it. Celebrities record videos as and when they can usually within two weeks. But if you want a video for a specific date and it does not look like it will arrive in time, you can cancel it and get an instant refund at the click of a button. There are hundreds of celebrities to choose from and many more joining every day. Search by category or genre, buy a gift voucher, get updates and offers, and encourage your favorite celebrities to join so they can connect with fans in a fun and unique way. Raise money for their charities and much more. So order your video now for yourself or for someone else. Celebrity video messages and another wrestling
3: podcast team up. Be sure to head on over to celebvm.com
4: slash AWP. Oh, man. Thank you, Outback Jack. That was a great interview with you and Credo. Uh, guys, make sure you head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com for oral links at the top of the page. Like us, follow us, and most importantly, subscribe to us.
3: That's right. Now, uh, if you're listening for the first time out there, I want to remind you, you know, what makes us different than any other podcast? Uh, each week, we don't just talk about what happened on Raw, the whole the whole shebang, what happened on SmackDown, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we try to pick an evergreen topic. So whether you're listening to episode one or 127, there's something on there that you can listen to any time of the year, any day of the week, whatever. Uh, and this week is no different. You know, we spoke to Outback Jack Uh, His character was an Australian coming to America uh, and wrestling, so... Uh, I did some research online. I went to this website. It's uh, au.complex.com. I found a little article, which I'm going to read some points about what they wrote, and I want to thank them again, too. Make sure you head on over there, guys. Uh, It's au.complex.com. They did a little uh, story back in January on a history of Australian wrestlers in the WWE. Now, like I said, we talk about different topics all the time, and what better to do than talk about all the Aussies who have made it to the big time? So they created a list documenting the detailed history of Aussie wrestlers making it to the big smoke in the WWE. They call it, uh, and what they did and where they're at right now. So uh, right off the top, you know, we talked to Outback Jack, which is one of the names on the list who debuted in '86. He gave us a little bit about uh, his, you know, his history and what he did back in the ring. So we already talked to him. Uh, Cooter, another. Aussie, uh, who made it big, was Nathan Jones. He debuted in 2003. Do you remember?
4: Of course I remember. And I wouldn't exactly say that he made it big either. Well, you know, I made mean, to the big time, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. But I remember him. Uh, he was supposed to tag with The Undertaker. I think it was WrestleMania 19, Safeco Field, against uh, The Big Show and A Train or Albert or Tenzai or whatever the hell his name was that year. Um, And it ended up being a handicap match with just The Undertaker versus those two guys. And for some strange reason, you know, at the end of the match, uh, Nathan Jones runs down to the ring, spin kicks one of them. And I'm like, oh, I thought this was a handicap match. Shouldn't the ref disqualify them? No. So, I mean, if you ask me, The Undertaker's undefeated streak should have ended at WrestleMania 19. Because yeah. of Nathan Jones. <laughs> and that's Just right. saying.
3: That's right. And uh, here's here's what uh, uh, au.complex.com had to say a little bit about him. So they said, It wasn't until the early 2000s that the WWE decided to give it a go with another Australian wrestler. Uh, once again, the seven-foot-tall Nathan Jones was billed as a big deal early on with a set of vignettes that played heavily upon his real-life stint in Bogo Road, Gallo, after being charged for armed robbery in 1987. Uh, these, these tasters for his character indicated... He was a Goliath of a man hardened by 10 years of prison with an incredible appetite for violence. Uh, they also say during his time in jail, Jones got into powerlifting, eventually becoming a champion of Australia. And prior to the WWE, was quite active in the World's Strongest Man competitions, in uh, mixed martial arts competitions. Uh, and he eventually debuted for uh, WWE. Now, the traits of the character that have uh, been featured in the vignette seem diluted, and he ended up uh, in the storyline, like you mentioned, with The Undertaker, uh, his tag team partner and protege in WrestleMania. Uh... So, you know, once again, Vince loved the big guys. They brought him in. Uh and it, it just didn't go as as planned, I guess you could say for him, you know. He had the look, he had the size, uh but from what they say, you know, he just didn't have quite the in-ring ability as as they hoped for. So, you know, You know what else I remember
4: him from? What's that? He was in the condemned with Steve Austin, and he lasted in WWE about as long as he lasted in that tournament in that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He was. He was actually
3: also in uh, Mad Max Fury, Fury Road that came out uh, last year that's too. Right. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that's you know that's one Aussie uh, guy that you know made it big in the WWE. Probably had a bigger career than uh, maybe Outback Jack, but Outback Jack. Also was in WrestleMania, so uh, they both had a WrestleMania match pretty much. Uh, More importantly, though, I think one of my favorites, and I can't wait to see more of her, who's actually returning soon, is Emma. Uh, Any thoughts about Emma? Uh,
4: None that I could really share on this podcast, Credo. (laughs) I would just like to say this. Zack Ryder is a lucky, lucky man. Emma is a lovely, lovely young lady, and I would love to buy her a case for her iPad. I'm just saying. Well, they state in the article, too, that Emma has the distinction
3: of being the very first Australian WWE diva. Well, now superstar. There's no more divas. But, you know, uh, she's arguably the most successful wrestler from the country thus far. She... uh, From what they say, she's fallen in love with wrestling at 8 years old. She was training in the ring at the age of 13. And she also wrestled for Pro Wrestling Alliance Australia under the ring name Valentine. uh, Before eventually celebrating her 19th birthday by moving to Canada to train with former WWE wrestler Lance Storm. Uh, She would then return to her home country and then travel around the globe to compete. Before approaching Storm to further her training in 2011. So... She's been around the block. She's done a lot of stuff to further her career. And, you know, she's unfortunately had some setbacks with some injuries lately. And I think she was up for a big push before she got injured uh, late last year. So, uh, uh, from what I hear, she's actually on the road right now. And she's doing some refereeing matches for some of the... uh, I'm, I'm so used to saying divas matches, but for some of the women's matches. So, I think she's pretty much on her way back in. So, we'll see how they use her, I guess. And,
4: man... She's definitely... I'm looking I'm looking forward to her for sure uh coming back. And the other thing was, you know, when she first got sent to the main roster the first time and, and she just flopped after she had that great run in NXT. I, I,
3: it was that dance, man. In NXT oh, it worked, God. but then it God. was like when they brought it
4: to Raw, people were like, What is she what's yeah, going on? Some like, things just don't translate well from that crowd and full sale up to the main roster. Adam Rose, another example. But when they brought her back down and they repackaged her as that badass and with Dana Brooke and, you know, the whole like just mean thing like she uh, ch- dude she stretched the shit out of a few people. Let me tell you, and she just looked good doing it. She looked more, ah oh God, she looked more comfortable in that role as as opposed to that goofy face. her as a as a vicious heel. Yeah. Is, is definitely perfect for her. And I'm looking forward to her to her coming back because I would love to see her uh, get reunited with Dana Brooke and you know, and basically, Make Dana turn on Charlotte and we could have a nice little program between Emma and Charlotte, two of the best women's wrestlers that we have on the roster, in my opinion. That's right. And uh, moving right along down
3: at NXT, Buddy Murphy, uh, they say with Emma's relative success in comparison to two previous experiments... The door appeared to open to Australian wrestlers after 2012. Uh, Matthew Adams, often going by the ring name Matt Silva, had been competing and winning championships in Melbourne promotions, professional championship wrestling and Melbourne City Wrestling, along with others around the country since around 2007. He signed a WWE developmental contract in 2013 and he made his TV debut on NXT as Buddy Murphy only a year later. Uh, his most successful stint has been teaming up with Wesley Blake, a duly fondly named the dubs Step Cowboys by internet commentators after the combination of their entrance music and conspicuous ring attire uh, the tag team managed to win the NXT Tag Team Championships in early 2015 making 27 year old Murphy the first Australian to take championship gold in the WWE uh, the team's the, ta- the team's reign lasted 219 days before they were de- defeated by the Vaude villain so once again you know another Aussie uh, who made it big and was one of the first uh, world champions in wwe or you know a guy to win championship gold in the wwe so you know from from emma being the first you know to make it as a, a female i'll see he's the the first male to win a championship gold in wwe so that's you know it's a Wasn't big accomplishment emma the
4: women's champion nxt she was not nope she was not okay all right i was gonna say i was about to call uh you know bullshit on this article here So it it was
3: Paige, then it was Vacated, then it was Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Bailey, and then Asuka. So there's only been five women champions. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I stand corrected. There you go. Um, So, hey, man, you know, so right down the line of some Aussies right there, you got one of the first uh, female uh, ones to make it big, one of the the first males to make it big in WWE by winning championship gold. Uh, Moving right down the line, uh, another girl who I – I, I really, I'm, I'm digging this girl, and I can't wait to see more of her, but Peyton Royce, who debuted in 2015, uh, you probably remember her from the NXT show we went to, and I'll be with the flower. She's the flower girl. Uh, yes. And then, uh, this, you know, so she still has yet to, to, to do more in uh, NXT, but uh, just a little bit about her from the article. Uh, it says, while her early life was spent in Sydney, another uh Casey McIntosh, would join Emma and Murphy in the company last year, with the two having already paved the way for Aussie talent. At this point in time, McIntosh competed from age 17 in Australia's only women's professional wrestling promotion, Pro Wrestling Women's Alliance, PWAA, and similar to Emma, eventually found... Her way to Lance Storm's training facility in Canada. Man, thank you, Lance Storm, for producing a lot of these great talents. Yeah, really? Uh, you know, then they also say while WWE toured Australia in 2014, McIntosh managed to get a tryout and was announced the following year as a developmental talent in NXT, uh, being rebranded with the name Peyton Royce. While she only has competed on television a handful of times, she has already begun developing a seemingly self-absorbed heel character in her recent matches. So, uh, she's still in the works of developing something. So, we have yet to see more of Peyton Royce, but, you know, hey... Uh, just another one to add to the list, sure. And uh, you know, one more I think name we, we can mention tonight is a uh, Billy Kay. Like you said, uh, sh- they say in the article, Sydney-born Jessica McKay traveled along a similar trajectory to high school uh, pal Peyton Royce, making her wrestling debut on her 18th birthday and spending much of her early career competing for PWWA. She would eventually make her way to the U.S. to compete for another female promotion in 2008, uh, Shimmer, uh, before making further appearances in indie wrestling's main. Stay. They... Uh, mainstays Ring of Honor, and Shakara. Entering the WWE in the same intake as longtime friend Peyton, she also debuted on television on the NXT brand, having been renamed Billy Kay, uh, and recently been competing as a heel character. She also made one uh, SmackDown uh, uh, match, I believe, and I thought when she debuted on SmackDown, I thought that was it. I thought they already moved her up that quick, so uh, it was just a one-time appearance. But, you know, I have a list of names from Billy Kay to Peyton Royce, the Buddy Murphy uh emma nathan jones outback jack just a handful of some of these australian wrestlers who have made it to the big time if you will over here in america uh at the wwe which is the you know the, the biggest fish in the sea pretty much uh but cooter you know there's still a lot more guys uh which we can't really talk too much about because they're still in developmental but just some of the names uh chris atkins who's a future prospect uh, Shaza McKenzie, another future prospect, and Daniel Vidot. I uh, hope I didn't butcher these names. I apologize. But <laughs> there's, a, there's a few more Aussies in the wings, Scooter, pretty much. And, you know, I think if we could talk briefly about not just Australians or uh, Aussies. I'm sorry. I don't really know how to perfectly call, you know, who's what. But if you think about it, uh, going back to the 90s, you had – Guys who were plumbers, guys who were clowns, guys, you know what I mean? And now right. it, it's shifted to, oh, this guy's from Ireland. Uh, this guy's from Bulgaria. This guy's from Australia. This guy's from, you know, China, Hong Kong. Uh, it's it's more or less, you know, uh, a map of the a map of the stars of the world, you know? Like, everybody's coming from a different country. And that's pretty much their gimmick nowadays, if you think about it. I mean, they're taking their heritage, uh, their country, and putting it within their character. I mean, Seamus, you got the guy from Ireland. Uh, Rusev, the guy from Bulgaria, then went to Russia, then back to Bulgaria. But you know what I mean, right? <laughs> so it, it's almost interesting to where you know their countries are pretty much becoming their gimmicks in a way.
4: Well, it's it's interesting because I mean you can make that correlation that's with what MMA does. I mean they don't have characters. They always uh, basically tell these people when they're announcing them where they're from and what their uh, their martial arts background is. So if a guy is a uh, you know, a boxer from Ireland or, uh, you know, a jiu-jitsu specialist from Brazil. You know, I mean, uh, that's kind of uh, uh, similar in my way. I, I wonder if, if, if that has anything to do with it, maybe to try to grab some fans that way. But uh, who the hell knows? I mean, I, I do not miss the days of T.P. Hopper coming down with its plunger <laughs> or, uh, you know, <laughs> the goon with his hockey stick. I, I don't miss that. I, I like uh, this national-based, uh, you know, character. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it just
3: helps them grow as a company, th- too, throughout the world. Because it's like when you go to their home country, you know you know they're that guy's winning. Like Nakamura or uh, Hideo Itami when they go back to Japan, baby. You know, they're going to win. They're not going to lose or whatever. So it, it's, it's made it interesting, pretty much. You know, especially with that network special they did in Tokyo. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's like going to these home countries and using these uh, certain guys on the show. So... It's definitely the way the WWE has been molded throughout the past few years of definitely uh, making light of where... Uh, but once again, Cooter, man, another topic for our show. It, it, you know, uh, if you guys have a topic you want us to talk about that, you know, is more than just reviewing a show, let us know. Uh, Cooter, we have anotherwrestlingpodcast.com, but where could they find us on Facebook and Twitter, baby?
4: Head over to us on com slash podcast. Twitter.com slash A Wrestling Pod. Leave us your comments. Tweet at us. We'll get back to you. Tell us what you want us to talk about. That's right. And just to
3: remind everybody out there, we also have our own hotline. Uh, it's not like the 80s hotline. We're not going to charge you 90 cents a minute or whatnot. Uh, it's free, guys. <laughs> you call up. You can call any time of day. Uh, leave a message. It's 802-297-7672. That's 802 802- 297 AWP 7672. Uh, leave us a comment. We'll put. We'll play the best calls on next week's show. Uh, so many ways to reach out to us and let us know what you want to hear. So you know, hey, that's pretty much how we do it.